all of our praise. I believe we're going to see this as we take our look through uh, Highway 10, the highway to higher living. What I want us to really kind of focus on as we go through the Ten Commandments over this summer is I hear so often, and it breaks my heart, that people who hear about our God think that he is a God sitting up on a throne with a lightning bolt just ready to zap someone who messes up. And he is far, church, he is far from that. We serve and we worship a loving God who shows us grace and mercy every day. And I believe one of the most gracious and merciful things he did was give us the Ten Commandments. I want us to see that there are more to the Ten Commandments than a set of rules. As some people say, all y'all have is rules. You have no fun. Let me tell you, that's a bunch of hogwash. Through the Ten Commandments and through what God gives us, it gives us the freedom and the ability to have fun and to enjoy because the only hope we have comes through Him and God wanted us to understand who He was. And I believe that as we look over these Ten Commandments, we're not going to see just a set of rules, but we're going to see who God really is believe it will open our eyes to a, a new light of understanding God as he gave us a revelation of who he was. We want to know who God was. We turn to his word. Amen. Do all of you have your copy of God's word? This is his love letter to us. And as we look in here, God reveals himself. You know, Moses was on that mountain. He saw that bush that was burning but yet not being consumed and he went and when he saw that it got his attention as he approached God said Moses remove your sandals for the ground you're standing on is holy ground he was in the presence of God and God used Moses in a mighty way and one of those was in relaying the ten commandments to him those ten commandments was taken and put and carried around in the ark of the covenant but I want us to see what the Ten Commandments means for us. What it describes for us today. Because we are not the Israelite nation. We are not living some thousands of years ago. But we're living in the 21st century. And God's word is still relevant today. Amen. God's word is still truth today. Amen. And God's word is his word to us. It is infallible. It is without error. And it is a word that is alive and speaks to us today. This morning, in case you haven't figured out, why don't you take your Bibles and open them with me this morning to the book of Exodus. You got Genesis and Exodus, so let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. I want to look at Exodus chapter 20 as we get ready to start this journey. Uh, many of you have not received your newsletter yet. It is in the mail. There is, um, let me get over here. Between, there is a benefit to coming to Wednesday night when the newsletters are ready. You get to get your copy before everybody else. But in the newsletter, it talks a little bit about our trip. We're going to take a trip. And we're going to go down this Highway 10 through the Ten Commandments. 
And we're going to see how it brings a higher living for us. But I want us to see the beauty of the Ten Commandments. The beauty who God is. And we're going to take some excursions through this so you don't want to miss any of it. As I tell you in the newsletter, you want to be sure and bring a friend. Pack your pen, a piece of paper, and your Bible. And bring yourselves as we embark on our summer trip. Are you ready this morning? If you would stand with me as we read from God's word. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am Yahweh, or yours might say, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, by showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of your God in vain, for Yahweh will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all the work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters, your male or your female slave, or your cattle or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male slave, or his female slave, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Father God, thank you so much for your love. Father, we thank you today for your word. Father, we ask now, Lord, that you would remove any distractions from this place. Lord, you would allow Holy Spirit to have freedom to speak to us. Father, may our ears be opened and our hearts softened. Lord, as your word says that we are listening, would you speak? And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. I would have to say probably if you have spent much time, if any, in a church, you have heard of the Ten Commandments. This was not an unfamiliar passage to you. But I believe that God gave his word. His word stays the same. And that we need to be reminded of things from time to time. Amen. I forget. My wife can tell me to do something and I conveniently forget just the next second. You know, my mama always told me growing up because I always had this problem. She said, son, do something when you're told and don't wait because you forget. I must get about doing something as soon as I'm told. 
we need reminding. So I want us to just work our way through. We're going to take all summer, all the way up till time school gets started back as we work our way through. But I believe we need to lay the foundation this morning along with the first covenant that we're going, first commandment that we're going to look at. But if you notice on your uh, little sheet there in your bulletin, it's got the word the in front, but then the L, an A, and a P. Those are going to be the beginning words of what we're going to look at today. But I got to work on it. I said, ooh, loud. And I said, one thing that come to me is anytime I take a trip, I like to have a lap blanket. Do you like to maybe get comfortable when you're traveling? Something to wrap around you, something to lay the foundation, something to make you comfortable. So I want us to understand what it is that we're going to be looking at as we go through the Ten Commandments. So the very first thing I want us to understand is the layout of the Ten Commandments. The layout of the Ten Commandments. God gives us these commandments. I don't believe they're in any random order. I believe God gave them in the order he intended them to be in. And when God gives us something in an order, I believe that's for a reason. And to lay the foundation, we're going to start with the first covenant in just a moment. Excuse me, the first commandment. But we need to, to look at this layout. What is it? God was establishing with the Israelite nation his covenant. Okay, God made a covenant with the Israelite people and the Ten Commandments is what is establishing that covenant. He's giving them a set of order. Some commands that are to be followed for them to be within his covenant. So he's establishing the covenant with that. And what I found very interesting in studying this is not only is this just ten commandments, is it not only establishing the covenant, but God did it in such a way that it followed in with the laws and what codes of laws are to be for a covenant. Just as we have covenants or contracts today, there's a set order that it has to be in. When you get anything out of order, that covenant or that contract can become null and void. Well, God made this covenant through these commands with the nation of Israel, and he did it in such a way that it fit with the code that was required for the law. What do I mean? It says that the point of such codes in that a covenant stipulates... And appropriate because of the wonderful things that the sovereign has done for his people. For a covenant to be made, they're in the right order. It has to be a reason that the sovereign, the one that's over it, has done something good for his people. I believe that is the same for us today. None of us wants to sign a contract and return that something in it's not good for us. Amen? I mean, I'm not going to go and agree to sign up to live with you so that you can beat on me. Or if we go and buy a car, we get a car. The one over the contract is providing that car. So God began the Ten Commandments with that very thing. Look at verse 2. It said, I am Yahweh your God, here it is, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. The Jewish people had gone into Egypt to get bread. You remember the story? And they multiplied there and all of a sudden they began to become in captivity. The new ruler over Egypt didn't know them. He was abusing them. He was beating 
them, making them work for him. God's people began to call out to God. They knew who he was. Their forefathers had told them about that. And God acted on their behalf. He stepped in and he brought the Israelite people out of Egypt, out of bondage, and out of slavery. So we can kind of see it maybe this way, that God has rescued his people. He has saved his people. Now he wants to provide them in his protection. And to do that, he's making a covenant with them. We would call this the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. We'll look at that in a moment. But God is doing it for their behalf. You see, the law is to set up how Israel is to live. We have more laws within. You go into Leviticus and the laws were given in these commandments so that they could live in a way that was pleasing to God and that God could use them to become a kingdom of priests. Well, you say, couldn't God just spoke that? Well, there was a need for the Ten Commandments. And part of that need for the Ten Commandments and this very first one that we see here of you shall have no other gods before me. Where is Israel coming from? Egypt. Most of those who are coming out were born and raised and lived right there in Egypt. Never knew anything different. Well, guess what Egypt did? They worshiped multiple gods. Remember when we talked about the plagues? God brought those plagues upon Egypt to show his authority and how he was more powerful than their gods. So the Ten Commandments were necessary because God has to establish a new way because God is the only one that's to be worshipped. God is the God, the God above all gods. And that's what he's saying. You shall have no other God before me. Forget what you've known before. We're going to establish a new covenant. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect for you. I'm going to look over you. But here are some rules to help you live by there. Some things to help you change what you've always known. We go to school. We learn things and there are a process of learning those things because we don't know them. So for someone to come out of pagan worship of multiple gods to a monotheistic worship of one god he said here are some things to help you with that and i want us to look in this layout of the breakdown you know there's a breakdown within the ten commandments what do i mean that they're designed and set up in a way the first four commandments are what i call a vertical commandment it's between god and man how man is to interact with God. The last six are what I call horizontal. They're dealing with a man-to-man or a person-to-person relationship. So you see God covers everything in Ten Commandments. How we are to communicate, how we are to interact with God, and how we are to communicate and interact with our fellow man here on earth. So we see those breakdowns. Now, the, not just the layout, but I want us to look at the authority. I don't know about you, but I know for me, if I'm going to follow something, it needs to have some kind of authority over me. I've probably used this illustration before. We can make laws. We can put up speed limit signs out there. And if there was no authority over those speed limit signs, guess what? They would be a waste of money. 
They're just about a waste of money today if you sit there in Logansport and watch how all those trucks come through 25 miles an hour. I don't know what's the matter with their speedometer, but it's not the same as mine. But there has to be an authority. And these Ten Commandments have authority because of who gave them. And that's what I want us to look at is who spoke these words? Who gave the Ten Commandments? Moses come down off of the mountain carrying the Ten Commandments. Do you think Moses went up there and chiseled those Ten Commandments because he just thought they sounded nice? It might be a good way for people to live, but it would not have the authority that our Ten Commandments has. Look at verse 1. It says, Then God spoke all these words. Who spoke them? Y'all can, it's okay to talk. Who spoke them? God spoke them. God gave the Ten Commandments. That is enough authority for me right there. Amen? But God wanted to express that. He put that in his word. But not only that, it's God who gave them, not Moses. But the authority comes from the commandments that come from the Lord. I want you to look. There is the phrase, the Lord your God, is repeated five times within the Ten Commandments. Let's take a look. Verse 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Look at verse 5. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Verse 10, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughter, your male or your female slaves or your cattle or your sojourner who is within the gates. And twelve, honor your father and your mother that the days of your life may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord your God. And we're going to look at that. You see up probably up on the screen, sometimes you'll hear me say Yahweh. We've talked about Yahweh, but just give you a little bit of update. Yahweh is the proper name for God. The Trinity, the whole of who he is. We have it in most texts today as the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, all capital letters, because the Hebrew people revered the name of Yahweh so much they would not even say it, would not even write it. If they had to use something similar, they would write it with a four-letter acronym. They would change the pen before writing it, change the pen after writing it. There is power. It is the proper name of who we serve, the God. Well, what is in the name of Yahweh? But it is, and you remember him saying, I am who I am. Let's turn over to Exodus chapter 3 just real quick. Exodus chapter 3 verse 13. This is when Moses is standing there before the burning bush. God is telling him, you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him to release my people. And Moses is like, well, how are they going to believe me? What authority? Who am I to tell them sent me? 
Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am about to come to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they will see to me, say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Well, what is in this name of Yahweh? It is derived from the word haye, which is a verb that means to be. I want you all to follow me. This is very careful and very important. It is to be. God is saying, I am. What does he mean by that? He's saying, I have no beginning and I have no end. You see, God is not in time. God is not past, God is not present, and God is not future. He is just is. God is. He's above time. He's transcendent. He has nothing to do with time. Matters of fact, God created time. So do you see the authority of the one who is? I'm working on a class right now of philosophy of religion. I believe these guys like to hear themselves think. And I believe they like to hear themselves talk. Because they talk in circles. They say in a hundred pages what I could tell you in a half a page. Because it repeats itself. But one thing that they have been expressing is talking about God. Is they talk about how is a being created And a being, someone who is, someone who is created, had to be created. And there has to be a creator. And we know that creator to be God. He is Yahweh. He is the one who created. Well, if he creates, well, who created him? No one. That's why he is the perfect. You see, we're a representation. We were created in his image. So the one who is God has all authority to command because he's the one that made everything. We didn't make him. He's above everything. He's perfect. He's holy. He's set apart because he is just is. So the authority is coming from the perfect one. If you ever listen to answers in Genesis I think by Ken Ham and he talks about animals being created and things being created and each time there is a replication or if you have ever taken a copy and put it on a copy machine made a copy then took that copy put it on the copy machine what happens it begins to fade away it begins to become not as close to perfect it begins to have a a strange looking image it changes it loses Well, God never lost anything because God is and he created everything. So the one who created us, the one who is perfect, is the one who I believe has the authority to tell us what to do because he created us. Amen? He loved us. That's why he created us. He could have created anything he wanted. 
He created everything, but he chose mankind to be the one to worship him. He chose mankind out of all creation to be created into his image. Amen? That's the God that has given these commands. That's the authority that comes with them. So we have the layout of the Ten Commandments. We have the authority of the Ten Commandments. Now let's look at the power of the Ten Commandments. There is power in the Ten Commandments. The power comes first of all from his name. That we just covered the fact that he is. He has the power to give these commandments because he is transcendent over all things. He is the creator of all things. Everything else, now we need to remember this, everything else is below God. Because he is the transcendent, the sovereign, the most high in his holiness. He gives the standard for all worship. I am perfect, I am holy. You're going to worship me and me only. It's his holiness and his righteousness. But take a look there at verse 2 again where it says, I am the Lord your God. I. That is what's known as a personal pronoun. Aren't y'all proud of me? I know some English. I don't always say it right. I get help from books. But I is a personal pronoun. What does that mean? God is a person. God is personable. God is not an object or a mere thought. And he said in his first commandment, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. Personal pronoun talking to a person. God and his personality speaking to us. And this is written here. You see, we read it. You shall not have no other gods. It's written what's called with a negative. And this negative, this not, you're not going to do something, is then attached to a word that is called a present perfect Excuse me, an imperfect verb to say all that. This is what it means. That is an emphatic prohibition. You shall not, you do not. One said it this way, it's best said you will not and has the strongest expectation of obedience. God is telling them that in this covenant that you're going to make, if you come into my covenant, that there will not be any other God before me, in front of me. When we look at this before or in front, it's the same as the head of a living creature. You're not to have anyone else over God No one to his disadvantage. It could mean opposition and to me. No one else. I'm going to make a covenant. I'm going to take care of you. I've brought you out of Israel. I love you. I want, here it is. This is where people get so mixed up sometimes. I want you to have freedom and I want you to have the best life possible. So let me give you some boundaries to live within. I know I've used this one several years ago of a fish. A fish can swim in the water. A fish can do all it can do. And it does its best in the water. Does a fish do any good out of the water on the beach? No. It's not how he was designed. It's not how we're designed. We're designed for a relationship with God. 
He says, here is the best environment for you in my covenant. And to do that, you will not have any other God before me. And that is expected that that is exactly how it's going to be. There's going to be no opposition, no fighting between me. Do you know what happens when we have more than one God? If we have more than one God, we're going to serve more than one God, right? What does New Testament tell us? You can't have two masters, you serve one and not the other. And talking this over the other night, I was thinking this and working this through it. And I began to think, you know, if we had two gods, we have, we're going to say God A and God B. I say I worship both of them. It's not going to be possible. God A gives me some rules that I don't really like. They're not fun. Well, God B says, what, that's okay. So who do you think I'm fixing to follow? God B. That's why God says, you can't have anyone else. There's no one else worthy of worship but God because he is the all and the creator. You see, through the commandments, we can see God's nature. We see his holiness is that you shall have no other God before me. There's no one else that even measures up church to God. To nothing that he has. Nothing that he can do. Nothing else is over him. He has created everything else there is. But we also see his nature and who he is. But we see an awesome pointing. In even this first commandment of appointing to Jesus Christ. You see Jesus Christ is the establishment of the new covenant or the new testament. Remember I told you ten commandments established the old covenant, what we know as the old testament, with God's people. There was a time that God followed through and he taught them. You see he gave laws and he gave laws and what a law condemned, what you were not supposed to do if you did, the law also had provisions, amen? It had provisions of sacrifice and feast attended for atonement. You see, if you do this in the Old Testament, you must do this again and again and again. A sacrifice and an offering to God to atone for that. Old covenant. Jesus Christ came. He is the establishment of the new covenant or what we have as our New Testament. Because let me tell you, he is our only hope. He's our only grace and our only mercy because we fall short. We can say amen to that. We fall short on a regular basis. Well, guess what? Within the law, within the new covenant, there is a provision for when we mess up. And that's the cross, the death of Jesus Christ. And just as God, he is overall. And he is out of time. He is the one who can forgive. He is the one who did a permanent death. And the law points to Jesus. And it tells us that once we become under Jesus, we don't go back. Once we leave the old covenant and we come under Jesus, we no longer go back into the old covenant. The law was given to establish that. And Jesus, church, Jesus is the establishment of our new covenant. So I'm here today to tell you in all the beauty of the sovereignty and the supremeness of God, 
is the Ten Commandments. He is the one and the only one who is worthy, who is due worship. He's the only one I'd want to worship because he's the only one that's 